Blog Talk Radio. Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, April the 17th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting today with our good friend uh, Bill Cat, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Well, there was a big leak last week of information, and there's a lot of people asking, who did it? Who was behind this? Was this young man by himself? Lots of people asking uh, a lot of questions. 2024, the GOP uh, contest seems to be at least some people are deciding not to run. So whether that, whatever that means a year from now, we don't know. The Windy City of Chicago is having a few problems. Military recruiting is having a few problems. There's just a lot to get into today with our friend uh, Bill Katz. So let me say hello to, uh, to Bill. Uh, there he is. Hi, Bill. How are you? Oh, uh, reasonably well. It's a very big news day here in New York. Uh, we have uh, the Republican Party invading the city, thank goodness, uh, a Republican House committee investigating crime in New York, especially crime that could be linked to the district attorney who just indicted Donald Trump. And I think the, uh, the hearings are good. I think they're healthy for New York to point out that while this man was spending all that time and money indicting a former president on some vague charge, uh, the criminals are running loose in New York. Uh, also, right. we've just, we just learned that the uh, federal government has charged two New York residents with running a secret Chinese police station. Now, that's, <laughs> that's I think, a first for us. And yes. apparently, according to the federal government, it, call, they are calling it a significant national security matter. Well, that's, uh, you know, a lot of things that, I, that come to my mind when I think about New York, but Chinese police stations is not one of them. A Chinese neighborhood, no. yes. Chinese yes. restaurants, yes. But a police yes. station, that's pretty uh, – I saw that story. I guess that just happened in the last couple of hours. That's pretty uh, – Yes, that's right. Pretty incredible. So how big was the bank, uh, Bill? Did they have branches and cashiers? No, and what, how big no was the it bank? wasn't the bank. It was, it was a police station. Yeah, I'm sorry. Police station. Yeah, I was – that's right. I, I misunderstood. It was, it was a police I, I, station. I, I, an undisclosed Chinese government police station in Manhattan's Chinatown neighborhood. Hmm. Uh, they have each been charged with conspiring to act as agents of China's government, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for Eastern District of New York. Now, I, 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 you know, I assume there's some strength to this. Of course, when it comes to uh, Chinese agents in the United States, they didn't have to go too far in Washington to find a few. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and well, they've been finding, I mean, well. as you know, Bill, they've been crossing the border with some frequency lately. It, yes, and, and also, apparently, um, it is possible, I'm, I'm not suggesting, that some members of the president's family might have uh, a certain business interest that we might want to look into. Right. 
<laughs> yes, I think I think we 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 should look into into that. But this is crazy because one of the one of the points that I wanted to make today, Bill, and I want to tie this to what is happening in the city of Chicago, where you went to school many years ago. I'm sure you saw the story of these kids oh, running yes. crazy. They're oh, kids, unbelievable! Really. But they're not really kids, you know. These are to say they're young men and women. I wouldn't call them yes. kids, but they're you know they're young men and women, and they're running around. Uh, Walmart is uh, has said that that they will be closing four stores because they just cannot keep up with the shoplifting, and this crime in Alabama where there was a shooting. At a at a party in L.A. where people are breaking oh, yes. into stores, and you kind of get a sense, Bill, that uh, the streets are not being run by, you know, by the political class. The streets are being run by the criminals. I mean, that's the sensation. If you dropped in from Mars and you saw these streets, I mean, these all of these stories, I think it would be fair to say that we've got a a criminal on the street problem, Bill. Oh, beyond beyond doubt. If I was coming from Mars, I'd look at that and bypass Earth, go to the next planet. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a terrible situation. And what is interesting about it is if you look at the a film of the riots, and they are riots, in Chicago, you don't see any guns. Now, there are probably some of them did, were packing, but you don't see any guns because today the, the, the word out from the, uh, the left wing of, of American politics is this is all caused by having too many guns on the street. It's not. It's caused by horrible behavior, by a horrible culture that allows this. And in New York, we learned today to our absolute shock that uh, in the, in the uh, last uh, it was a year, I, I, I'll be very careful about the way I say this, but they found that something like 6,000 uh, 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 lootings uh, of stores were caused by 300 people, the same 300 people getting arrested, then being put back on the street, getting arrested and then being put back on the street. That it, it's the group of that 300 or was it 324, that range that has committed 6,000 crimes and not spent a day in prison for any of them. Right. I mean, this is when you begin to wonder, you know, people are skeptical as to why this district attorney spent so much time with Trump. Well, this is why people are skeptical of it, because they've got this crime. Uh, I'm not saying it's all in his district in Manhattan. It could be somewhere else. But in the entire city is having a crime problem. And yet they're sitting there, not just the not just the district attorney, but the attorney general of the state seems to be more interested in Trump. I mean, Trump has become their obsession and yes. at the expense of the, really of the safety of the average uh, citizen. I mean, the subway has become an experience. I, I, I would hate, you know, the, the women who have to go to work in the subway, that must be a frightening experience every day, Bill. I know I have relatives who have to go to work every day in the subway, and I, I fear for all of them. I, I fear for the experience. You, you tell them, you know, be careful. Don't go anywhere near the track. Stand way back from the track. Uh, uh, if you see anything unusual, get away from it. Uh, if there's nobody in the station, don't go into the station. You can give them all the advice, but the reality is when people know 
that no matter what they do, they're not going to be punished for it or receive very little punishment. That is what opens up the spigots of crime, and that is what you're getting. In Chicago, it's the same thing. We, they just elected a new mayor who was famous for being soft on crime. I don't know what the hell is going on in the minds of the people of Chicago, but I right. do know that only 35% of the voters voted in the election, in the, uh, the runoff that elected this guy. So, you know, you've got to get the other citizens out to the polls. I think they may have voted differently. But uh, his first reaction to this horrible riot in which tourists were attacked was, well, we shouldn't be too tough on the young people. You know, we should, of course, provide them with safe spaces so they won't do things like this. This is the kind of stuff that's right out of the 1960s. It, it's just an excuse uh, for not doing anything about crime because they feel that the, the people who want to crack down on crime are racists and it's mm -hmm. all about race. Uh, that's, that's the charge they make. Uh, we saw Mr. Uh, uh, Schiff of California on television today, Democratic candidate for the Senate, uh, will be uh, uh, in, in California, saying that uh, the district attorney of New York has been subjected to racism over the Trump case. Well, I have no doubt that some stupid people wrote him some stupid letters. I, that, you know, but he's not being subjected to racism. He's being subjected to the anger of people who are just tired of, of living this way. And uh, but th this is going to be the game that the, that this simply shows that there are too many guns. Let's go to gun control. I would not be shocked if they try to get through Congress a gun control law to seize guns, uh, because that's obviously the cause. It, it right. won't work now that you have a, a, a Republican-controlled House. But um, it is just unbelievable the way the people running these cities deny there's even a problem. Right. No well, the mayor problem. of Chicago's, I mean, the, the mayor-elect, I guess, of Chicago was saying, let's not demonize these young people. That's exactly. I mean, that's literally what he said. Let's not demonize yes. them. Of course, uh, I, they're acting like demons. Maybe we should demonize them, you know. Uh, I mean, that's, well, sure. uh, I mean, that's not, you know, a civilized behavior. That's not what you're seeing from. But I, w I was watching uh, during lunchtime. I had a chance to watch. Uh, Fox News, and this fellow, uh, by the, but the same Murdoch is his last name, or M-U-R-D-R-O-C-K, yes. I think. Droy, I think is his first name. Uh, yeah. Droy, I think it is. I'm not sure. He's a very talented guy. Every, every time Deroy, he speaks, Mur oh, I, oh, oh, Murdoch. Murdoch. Droy yes. Murdoch. That's yes, right. He's, a, he's an African-American columnist, very talented. Exactly. And he was saying something. I think he expressed it correctly. He says, you have these kids. And that, those are the words he used, young people or kids, I don't remember, uh, saying, I mean, they're, they're growing up without consequences. They never pay a price for anything. Most of the young people who were doing this went home that night with no penalties. They did arrest a few of them, but the overwhelming majority of them were watching it on TV at home or on their iPhones. That's the other thing. I guess filming these things on iPhones is now the new thing. And, 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 and then you get this, and then the mayor comes out with comments like this, that, it, it, you know, if I was a citizen of Chicago, I'd probably put my home for sale this weekend after, after something like this. But I would also ask the question, where is the governor and where is the president of the United States? Because the governor does have a responsibility to take care or at least show some support for the citizen, uh, citizens of his biggest city 
not only to protect the citizens, but to protect the tourists who are bringing in those dollars, Bill. I mean, a lot of those people, I, I was watching uh, an interview with a lady. Uh, they said they took their her husband out and beat him up. And, oh, absolutely. And as a governor, you watch this. How do you let this go by, Bill? Well, they uh, first of all, they're putting a lot of pressure within the communities not to come forward to testify about crime. Uh, and then you say, well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a case that's still under investigation. They, they come out always with some ridiculous comment. The mayor of, of – uh, not the mayor, but rather, but the governor of um, uh, Illinois uh, uh, is a, a very, very wealthy man. He comes from uh, – what is I think his name is Prisker or something like that. Uh, comes from a, uh, I think, a hotel family, uh, finances, own campaigns, that kind of thing. And uh, he wants to be president. Uh, he's not going to be president, but he just wants to be president. And the people be damned. Uh, the, you can't, and uh, frankly, sometimes the people in the press are just as bad. They have their ideology. And the ideology is what comes first. But to live in a city like Chicago, in many of the neighborhoods, is absolutely terrifying. I mean, you have, especially in African-American neighborhoods, you have African-American mothers afraid to let their children out to play. And then they say there's no real problem. So we'll, the, this new mayor is coming into office next month. Mm-hmm. I would love to see what his inauguration is going to look like. I mean, uh, all, all they need is for Louis Farrakhan to be invited to speak. And I, right. it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock right. me. Uh, but I think that, that the, the proper thing to happen now is for corporations to simply leave Chicago. Some have. Boeing has left. Others have left. Let them just, just leave the city uh, and, uh, and, and say this is our statement. Uh, I, I see that uh, Walmart has closed a number of stores in Chicago. Others are closing stores. When they see corporations and businesses start to leave, Maybe some sense will be knocked into the right. uh, the, the, the people. Uh, and uh, the, but there is some uh, suggestion. I where did I read it that in some states that they want to put a tax on companies that leave, right? Uh, you know, an exit tax where if you leave, and on citizens, ordinary citizens, that if you leave, you have to pay a tax to leave. It doesn't shock me. I mean, it's, it's right. that mentality. But well, it we also are, shows you are, how desperate they are, Bill. Oh, you know, it, it shows you how desperate they are because I think California is the state that wants to put a tax on people who leave, and that's yes. because so many of them are leaving. And the ones who are leaving are the very productive people. That's the bad thing for these cities. They're not losing, uh, you know, they're not losing people who are not working. On the on the contrary, they're losing people who are working, who produce, yes. create jobs. I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm watching another story coming through now that uh, about California where people were ransacking a gas station or one of these 7-Eleven yes. type places. I mean, this is ha- every single day. If you check the news, you see stuff like this. And you have to ask yourself, who is in charge? Who is holding these people accountable? And I always go back to the governor because the governor is responsible for the state. And I'll I'll, I'll say something good here about our governor, uh, Abbott. Uh, you know, we've had some problems in Austin. Austin is like our San Francisco. And, uh, you know, he, it, as soon as the things got out of control, the governor stepped in and put in additional uh, forces. 
And he said, I'm going to protect the citizens of Austin. That's my responsibility as governor. Yes, uh, that's absolutely. what you need. I mean, that's what you need in New York and Illinois in California is for the governor to step up and say, if you guys are not going to do it, I'm going to take care of the people bill. Well, and he's right. Of course, he's being demonized himself by the press over the abortion issue by the left wing press. And they're trying to uh, uh, portray him as some kind of a uh, an ogre, as they are with uh, uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. Uh, you know, you, you are really you're really reaching a point now where the left and the right are just not even talking to each other. And uh, it is simply it is simply uh, a situation that cannot be allowed to go on much longer. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the television screen. I'm looking at uh, uh, the, the mayor of New York, who I think is trying to do a good job. But he is under great pressure from uh, elements in the city to, to soft-pedal the crime issue. He has a police commissioner, a, a young African-American woman, who strikes me as very intelligent and, and thoughtful. Uh, but uh, uh, but, the, the, but the, the game now that's being played in New York is there's only a perception of a high crime rate. It really, it really isn't that high. It's a perception. Well, you know, perception becomes reality. And it becomes reality when people pick up a newspaper and find an old lady thrown off a subway platform. Right. Uh, that's, for her, it's a reality. The fact is that crime, with the exception of murder, which has actually gone down in New York, but every other major crime has gone dramatically higher. Uh, and, and murder will soon follow, I'm sure. But the, the statistics on robbery, on rape, uh, and once again, once again, the, the rape statistics show a dramatic increase. Not one word from any feminist organization. Not right. one word. And once again, they're, 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 they reveal themselves as nothing more than a bunch of front men, or excuse me, front women for uh, left-wing causes. They don't give a yeah. damn about women. They really more don't. like front persons. <laughs> front persons. You don't, yes, front, yeah, you don't, front you don't want to get in, You don't want to get in too much trouble with them, but... No, but I think you're right. I mean, they're phony, and, and you're seeing it with women uh, or, you know, women having to compete with men uh, for swimming contests or track and field, uh, stuff like that, where, uh, you know, young women are being put in an impossible situation competing with young men, and they're not saying anything. This lady, this young woman who is the soccer star, I don't think she is anymore on the U.S. team. I think she retired. But she comes out in defense of transgender students. And, yes. uh, I mean, I don't care if transgender students want to compete in their own level. That's fine with me. If they want to have, yes. you know, three competitions, men, women, and transgenders, I really don't care. I mean, I, uh, you know, let them have it. Uh, if that's I'm more all fair, I'm all for it, too. But, uh, you know, to, 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 to expose young women to that unfairness uh, and for these many groups to say nothing, I understand uh, today that uh, President uh, Biden will veto a bill coming out of the, it must be coming out of both houses, I guess, yes. uh, saying that, uh, or protecting young women from transgender sports. He says, and the story that I saw, Bill, says that the bill discriminates against transgenders. Okay. Uh, but I think it also discriminates against against young women, Bill. Of course. I mean, it, 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 it's destroying women's sports. And I don't know where this transgender thing, look, as, as you said, if they want their own league, we want equal rights in this country, but equal rights do not include 
the right of a person born as a man with a man's strength and a man's body to compete about women uh, against women in women's sports. That's nonsense. It's outrageous. It, that's a, I don't know where these ideas are coming from, but they're very bad ideas. They're ideas that are indicative of a dying nation, and I, I don't like to see that. No, you're right, because Bill Maher, uh, the fellow on TV, I don't usually oh, watch sure. his show, but I, I, I see the clips because they put his clips on the Internet. And he said something very recently talking about this t- topic of, uh, of the transgenders. He said that, you know, he was saying how, how great Title IX had been, how yes. Title IX put a bunch of women in, in the swimming pools. You know, I've got five nieces, so I can vouch for that. I mean, these five nieces competed in sports and were able to, to you know, exercise their opportunity to compete in sports, and it was a great thing. But now Bill Maher said that the wokeness that he's seeing has nothing to do with the liberalism that he grew up with, that wokeness and liberalism are very far apart. Liberalism was about putting women in the swimming pool, and wokeness is about putting men to compete with women, Bill. Yes, in the swimming pool, right. That's exactly right. Oh, this, it's the difference between <coughs> excuse me, liberals and progressives. And it's, isn't it amazing? I have not seen on any news program that I watch anyone describing that difference and the history of the difference. It goes back a long way, including uh, substantial political clashes within the Democratic Party in the 1940s, when the progressives uh, tried to um, uh, really take over the party, and they were told by Eleanor Roosevelt and Harry Truman, so far and no further. And they left the party. Uh, we ha- have a vision in our heads of the 1948 Republican, I'm sorry, Democratic Convention, where the South walked out, and they did. That was the, when the, uh, the Dixiecrats walked out. But the, the far left also walked out. And, uh, the, uh, the, and they, they came back really uh, in strength in the 1960s and, in my view, ruined the Democratic Party. Uh, by right. pushing it much too far to the left. That was the story, really, of the McGovern nomination in 1972. And at the election of 1972, Nixon, who was not even a popular president, won by the biggest landslide in American history, uh, in part and in large part because people understood what the Democrats had become. Right, exactly. That was the, the McGovern uh, Nixon election, where, as you say, yes. Nixon got something like 62% of the popular vote. I mean, yes. an, an amazing number in 49, 49 states, but you're exactly right. It was a rejection uh, of the Democrats. One last thing, Bill, about Chicago before we, before we leave the Windy City. Uh, the Democrats are going to be having their convention there. I'm sure that's going to make the police <laughs> really happy because oh. they don't have enough police officers, Bill, as it is right now. So I don't know how they're going to protect all these delegates. Uh, I mean, it it could really be a problem, Bill. I I think that it's going to be a very big problem, and I'm sure that there are many potential delegates to the Democratic Convention who are frightened to go. They they say, you know, this is going to be a magnet for violence. It's going to be a magnet for street crime, and 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 you've got a – I wouldn't be surprised if the the police force uh, kind of doesn't come out in force. Uh, but I, if I were a delegate to the Democratic Convention, I'd tell my alternate to go. I certainly wouldn't go myself with a family. I really wouldn't because right. you talk, talk about the thousands of people who come to a, a convention. Sooner or later, one of them is going to get mugged or worse. 
Mm-hmm. Well, when you have a, a shortage of police like that city has, I mean, that's amazing to me that, that they've lost so many. Well, it's not amazing. I mean, I, I understand why they're losing police, but it is amazing that I guess what I meant to say is that it's amazing for a city of that size to be short, short on police. Uh, even yes. on Saturday night when they had that problem, they couldn't get enough police officers out there because they just don't have them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's horrible what's happening uh, to not only Chicago, but some of these other uh, other cities. Bill, before we, we take a break in a couple of minutes, I wanted to mention this article that you posted about Cornell University. That's the one, yes. Cornell. Uh, I yep. think it's a mm-hmm. great story. It's a great story that there somebody standing up for freedom of speech. So give us a little rundown of the story, Bill. Well, Cornell is one of the eight Ivy League schools, which is what makes the uh, the story more important because they get so much publicity about being, quote, the elite universities of America. Uh, And um, uh, to some small degree, they are. And being one of the eight, the Ivy League hasn't exactly been uh, forthcoming on free speech issues. Uh, I think Columbia, in one ranking, ranked last in the country in free speech. But Cornell is an Ivy League school, uh, uh, and... The president of Cornell has made it very clear that in the next academic year, this will be her main issue, and that's the protection of free speech. Uh, she issued a wonderful statement saying there are extremists on both sides who are trying to deny free speech, uh, and we have, to, we have to fight that and fight for the purpose of the university. It was a great statement. I, I hope that she doesn't have to take it back at some point uh, under pressure from this group or that group. I hope she stands her ground. I think she will. And I think maybe it's a big breakthrough. We've also had some breakthroughs at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, uh, where a new school is being formed for civics. And uh, there, there was a declaration of uh, commitment to free speech. I, we do see some, some pushback uh, in the academic world. We're also getting some research for the first time that shows us that it is really not the faculties that are denying free speech to our students. It is the staffs. The, the uh, administrators, I think I read that Harvard has more administrators now than professors, and that it's, it's, it's an administrator for this and for this cause and this group and this one. And the point has been made, if you got rid of half the administrators, the cost of the education would go way down. Uh, it is an enormous financial burden, but these groups demand it. We have to have a, uh, you know, a, a, a vice president for left-handed Pacific Islanders uh, who were born in July. Uh, Very important constituency, very important. Uh, And, uh, you know, maybe we're we're getting somewhere, maybe. Well, I hope so, because we seem to be getting somewhere, Bill, before we take a break. We seem to be getting somewhere with uh, the beer company and the backlash. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because last night the horses were back. And the horses and (laughs) patriotism were back like the good old days, Bill. You would have thought it was the good old days of... Of of beer commercials, Bill. Well, yeah, yes. That well, I don't know who did this. It, it, they hire these marketing consultants, not realizing these marketing consultants are coming out of these woke schools, and these marketing consultants got. I don't know how this happened, but you'd think that the executives of a major company would be alert enough to realize how stupid this was. But it it, it gives you an impression that maybe some of the big executives being paid all those dollars aren't too smart. It's probably true, but they they seem to be eating some crow and uh, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll be back 
and flying the American flag again. But the one company that seems to be holding its ground in wokeism is Disney. Uh, and and uh, well, you know, they they call it a Mickey Mouse outfit, and maybe it is. Uh, they uh, uh, they they seem to not have any idea what's going on in the country generally, and they're now fighting Governor DeSantis in Florida. I think he would like to get rid of Disney World. I really do. I think that he would it would be easier for him. They they tried to fight him on something involving state government, uh, and I don't think uh, Disney won. And maybe if, if they get out of Florida, the governor can bring in a, an amusement uh, company uh, like Disney, which will charge much lower rates. It, for a family of four, most American families can't afford that at Disney World. I don't even know who it's for anymore. Uh, right. It's just a very expensive uh, luxury. And uh, maybe if they would go back to California where they're comfortable and leave Florida alone, the governor will bring in, uh, you know, somebody more in line with the population. Well, I think if they, the problem with Disney is they, they probably want to get out of Florida too. But the, the whole reason they went to Florida was because <laughs> of favorable tax breaks. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely. not sure they're going to get them in California, and uh, I don't think they're going to get them in New York either. So I think they're kind of stuck there. I guess they could always go up to Georgia, but I mean, moving an operation like Disney World is not exactly like. Uh, changing a television commercial. I mean, that would be a massive operation uh, to move Disney anywhere else, Bill. I mean, just the infrastructure well, alone would be demanding. They have, yes. Well, they have Disneyland in California, and maybe they would decide to get along on one uh, with one amusement park. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's – I mean, I don't know how – I mean, I've never really – I mean, I don't know how much money they make uh, at, at Disney. I know recently they've had some – some parents who decided that their kids are better off watching something else. But what a yeah. shame. And I'll just say this before we go on break. What a shame. Those of us who grew up watching that product and what a wonderful product it was for me, my brother, my sister, and our kids, what a wonderful pro- product it was. And to see it damaged like this by a bunch of people like this VP of marketing at uh, whatever the name, the Budweiser or whatever the company the name is to see it destroyed by these woke people. It's uh, it's really it's really a shame. We're going to take a little break, Bill, and we'll come back. Uh, we got a lot more to get into, especially that leak that everybody's talking about. Uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, I just wanted to uh, put this in uh, quickly in our podcast today that it was 62 years ago that the Bay of Pigs uh, happened or began, I should put, uh, 62 years ago. And everything, I, every time I think of this anniversary, I think of all the wonderful conversations that I had with my dad over the years about this. So. Uh, what do you remember about the Bay of Pigs? Well, it was, as you know, in the first four months of the uh, of the Kennedy administration, 
And uh, we had this new administration. People were optimistic. Young president. The operation was actually designed during the Eisenhower administration and was handed over to the, uh, the new Kennedy people. And something seemed to have slipped, uh, whether they understood that it really didn't have much of a chance of success or that it was undermanned or whatever it was. Uh, I have not studied the details of it, but it was an operation to liberate Cuba from Castro and it did not succeed. Uh, and uh, President Kennedy, very properly, when he was asked at a press conference after the, the failure uh, by a reporter, who, whose fault is this? He very properly said, I am the responsible officer of the government. And I always thought that was one of the great moments in modern presidential speech making where he took responsibility for the whole thing. Uh, and they didn't try anything like that again. I think they knew that given the logistics, it would take American troops and a major military operation to liberate Cuba from Castro. But the next big event, this was in 1961, the next big event uh, uh, involving Cuba, of course, was in October of the next year, and that was the Cuban Missile Crisis, where we won a decisive victory over the Soviet Union. Yes, and uh, I just, you know, uh, for someone like me, of course, it touches me personally, because my dad's cousin was thrown in jail after the Bay of Pigs. Mm-hmm. So, yes. uh, so, I mean, it, it's a personal a personal story i just you know i just don't know where the time goes you know 62 years long yes. time you know when, when you think of it uh that way bill uh there is uh, there was a big leak last week uh, you mentioned it in our last podcast and it i guess it's been developing during the week as well and now there's a lot of i guess a lot of conversation as to who was behind it and what was the motive and there seem to be two explanations. Maybe you've got another one. But the two that I'm hearing is it was a 21-year-old young man who was incredibly allowed to see these uh, documents and was playing games, I guess, with his friends online. That's one explanation. Another explanation is that this is all an inside job because there are people within the government who are very concerned about the direction of the country and they're concerned about Ukraine and their concern about the Biden presidency and foreign policy in general. So I tend to believe the second explanation more, Bill, that this is from inside. Uh, and the reason I do is because I've seen, seen some interviews with people who really know the CIA and really know the inside of all this national security stuff, who are simply saying the documents that were released, there's no way a 21-year-old soldier could get his hands on it. So they feel that somebody from the inside was behind this. And I'm curious, what do you think, Bill? I really don't have any specific opinion because I don't, I don't know the details. It is possible for a 21-year-old to, uh, to uh, see documents like that, though. That I can tell you uh, because I was in the intelligence services. And uh, it depends on where you are, what documents are, they are, uh, how they relate to uh, a possible unit and what that unit might be doing, but it, it is possible for young people. And in fact, one of the biggest problems the intelligence services used to have, at least in my day, uh, and that was a long, long time ago. I mean, uh, you know, I, my president was Abraham Lincoln, but uh, the, one of the problems that uh, they had was with young people. Uh, they would caution young people who were sent overseas not to get involved romantically with local people because they might be uh, a foreign agent, and it happened. It would happen. 
Uh, so young people, especially young clerical people, might have access to documents that they're working on or, or even filing. Uh, that that part I can understand. Obviously, there was a lot of there's a lot of sloppiness here. That it depends on which young people. I mean, why does this young guy who didn't seem to have anything to do with the material and the documents? Why did he have access? But young people generally, yes, they have. They can have access. As far as it being an inside job, there is now a story out that there is a um, a retired Navy petty officer who may also have been involved in this. But again, I don't. You know, no proof is being presented. Uh, is it a leak from somebody concerned about the government? Always possible. But, I, you know, again, these are theories. We don't have evidence. The material that was released it was very embarrassing to the United States. It's especially embarrassing when we release, or, or not release, but when information leaks that was developed by an ally. That ally may lose people in the field, agents in the field, uh, uh, because of things that happened in Washington, and mistakes and sloppiness here. It's a very, very difficult thing for us to explain to another country. So uh, the story will continue, but I think the story is far from finished. Yeah. Well, the, the, the other problem, too, Bill, is that some of the stuff that came out, and this is why people believe that it, would have, it, that it was an inside job, is because some of the, in, some of the information that came out uh, it's very uh, contradicts, I should say that, what the Biden administration is saying about Ukraine. You know, the Biden administration is putting a happy face on Ukraine, but in fact, yes. apparently it's not working that way. And that, I think, is going to mean that President Biden is going to have a very difficult time getting more money for Ukraine, uh, which for somebody like me who wants to see Russia lose, uh, that might be the unintended consequence of this uh uh, of this leak bill well that 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 could happen and you know one of the things we have to be aware of is that we really can't allow ourselves to lose in ukraine we are now so committed as the major ally of ukraine supplying material that if they're overrun what do we say what do we say to the world you were you were important only up to a point i mean yes i mean if if, if things got really hot in Ukraine and the Russians started to win, we would have, and NATO would have, some very important decisions to make. NATO is not committed to Ukraine. Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Would we let the Russians win? That's a, that's a pretty serious question. Well, that is, uh, that's right. And, and the question is, though, the, what the, the question I'm asking is, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think we can let Ukraine lose. I mean, this, is, this would be very bad for for the West, but have you heard the President of the United States explain this to the American people, Bill? No, I haven't heard him give a single speech about it. Yeah, and that's outrageous. That's outrageous. We we should tell the American people what this is costing, and that why the defense budget must go up. I don't think he's going to say that, not to the left wing of the Democratic Party, uh, and that we are committed uh, to helping Ukraine. I don't think he will say that we're committed to victory. But should should we, the the uh, Ukrainians be overrun, and then should any corruption come out in the Ukrainian government, it is he's and he's going to look awful. And the uh, more important than that, much more important, the United States will look awful. Does this, Bill? You remember this period better than I do. Does this remind you at all of Vietnam? Uh, because 
you know, at first we were sending, uh, I guess, ad- advisors, right? Like we have, yeah. I guess we have some advisors over there now. Yeah. But eventually it got to the point where we had to go in with a lot of troops. And, uh, I mean, does this seem at all familiar to you, uh, or, or is that not a good comparison to Vietnam? I think it's a partially good comparison. We are at a point uh, where uh, we, I guess we were in Vietnam when the pressure from North Vietnam became so severe that we sent in American advisors first and then later American troops. I don't think that the American people would put up with any Americans uh, on the fighting fields of Ukraine for several reasons. First is the Vietnam example, but also in Vietnam, we were fighting the North Vietnamese. That is very different from fighting the Russians. I mean, yes, North Vietnam was an ally, uh, a satellite of China and, and, a, and a, an ally of Russia, but it wasn't the Russians. Uh, the last time we fought a great power was in the Korean War when the Chinese entered the war and we fought China, and it was not a pleasant experience for us. So you're dealing with a situation that if we entered troops into the Ukrainian uh, war, uh, we could easily wind up fighting a world power. And even if they're an incompetent world, world, world power, the casualties would be ghastly. I cannot believe the American people would accept it. Yeah. Now, another difference, too, Bill, that I see with Vietnam is the American people. And let me explain what I mean. We had just arrived to the United States at the end of 64. So I remember a little bit of the Vietnam debate in 65 and 66 when public opinion was generally favoring the war. And I remember President Johnson, you know, increasing the the troop levels. And I could remember my father and my uncle talking about the communist threat and why it was important to be there. And there were many other people in the political class who would say stuff like that. And so the American people at least understood at the beginning of the war what it was all about. It got complicated later, I know. But in 65, 66, at the beginning, people seemed to support the war. Uh, I don't see that here. I don't mean, I don't see any support for for troops at any point in, in, in Ukraine. I, and I think American the American people may put the President Biden in a situation where either he loses Ukraine or he goes against the American people and sends troops around the American people, which I think would be a political disaster bill. It would be, and he'd have to have congressional support for that, and I don't think it's there. I think there is, that aid to Ukraine is there, but I cannot see any congressional support, including the Republican Party, that would favor sending uh, troops to Ukraine. Theoretically, he could send them under uh, his powers as president, but only for a certain period of time. I don't recall what the War Powers Act uh, requires, but after a certain period of time, I think it's 90 days, he'd have to go back for authorization. No, I think I think the the, the best we can do for Ukraine uh, is to supply them and say it's your war and make it plain to the American people that it's their war. But that, of course, also tells the Russians that they'll never have to fight American troops. Well, the other thing too that it does is that it keeps using up our our military supplies. That's the other problem. That you know that for some crazy reason we're not able to supply ourselves as quickly as we used to, or resupply yes. ourselves. So, I mean, I've heard, I don't know if they're true or false, but I've heard stories that we're running out of ammunition because we're giving it to Ukraine. If that's yes, true, true, this is a much bigger problem than, than I realized, Bill. 
Oh, yes, there was a, uh, a program on last night, and I wish I could recall uh, who said it, but it was a, uh, somebody with military knowledge who said, if we had to go to war tomorrow, we would run out of ammunition in, in one or two weeks. Now, I don't know where that ammunition came, comes from. Maybe we have secret supplies. It's possible that they have warehoused some secret supplies. But uh, look, this is not an administration that is overly concerned with national defense. Maybe Biden takes an interest in it, but Kamala Harris never even mentions it. Can you imagine her as president handling a war? I mean, uh, you know, her first question will be, well, how many female commanders do you have? That, that would be the kind of question she would ask. Uh, but uh, we, we're not in shape, and the Democratic Party is... Uh, it's not an anti-war party. It's an indifferent party. So, right. very well. We pray for the health of President Biden, Bill. Yes, yes, and we pray for a successful outcome because he is up. I assume he'll be up for re-election. That election won't be held for another year and a half. Another year, whether it's April or mm-hmm. you know, um, May, June, July, August, yeah, about a year and a half. Uh, you look at that and you look at the war in Ukraine, there does not seem to be an early end to Ukraine. And we have an election in a year and a half, and God knows what's going to happen, what, 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 what may happen to Biden physically. Uh, it's a very, very bad time to be involved in a military venture that is this uncertain, and yet I don't really see the alternative. If we pull out now, we lose. We're seen as losers. Right. And that's a bad thing to be seen on the international stage. Well, I, my guess, or my gut feeling is that when when this Ukraine war started, that the Biden administration didn't think they would have to run on it in 2024, that they Probably. thought it was going to be over. And that's what makes this leak so troubling, because the leak contradicts that information. And that's what uh, makes it so troubling. But Senator Rubio, I don't know if you saw the video, Senator Rubio said that I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the extent that we have a president uh, who cannot communicate. And and that's frightening because at a time like this, we need the exact opposite. We need a president who can communicate. You know, I remember President Bush in 2002, 2003, literally going around the country every opportunity he had making the case against Saddam Hussein. Uh, I mean, I thought that was the right thing to do for a president. If he believes in something, go out there and make the case. Uh, president Biden is not doing that, Bill. That Look, he's, he's indifferent. I mean, he just does not seem to care what the American people think. Uh, I think uh, that he, he has said he'll make a decision on whether to run in the fall. But, yes, he's been going all over Europe saying he's running. So I don't know who he's going to make the decision for in the fall. We assume he's running, and yet he shows indifference. He shows indifference to crime. He shows indifference to women's sports. He shows indifference to the uh, concerns of the American people. And he, he, you can't let him speak extemporaneously, and you can't let uh, Kamala Harris speak extemporaneously. So I think it's going to be a very good year for speechwriters. High salaries. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's going to be it's going to be weird. One last uh, point that I wanted to bring up, Bill, it kind of ties into the conversation about Ukraine. Uh, The information about military recruiting is a lot worse than I thought it was. The numbers are scary that we're just not recruiting young men and women uh, for for the military. And, you know, I I don't think we had this problem since the draft ended. I know there was a huge up 
uptick in in military uh, service during the 90, after 9-11 and Iraq and all of that. But right now I've heard that, you know, our recruiting goals are like 50 percent. Well, that's pretty scary if you have to fight a war in Ukraine or you have to fight a war in uh, over Taiwan. I mean, where are the soldiers going to come from, Bill? Well, that's a good question, but it's awfully hard to recruit soldiers when you tell them that, that their main focus is to is to learn all the bad things about American history and to be woke. I mean, you know, people going into the Army want to feel, or any of the armed services, want to feel that they have a purpose. They want to feel that they have a mission. They don't necessarily want to go to war, but they want to feel that they have an important place in the in the military and the military today is you know it's under the control of the biden administration which is really only interested in these social issues so i can understand why recruiting is way down uh if we have a recession that ironically might help recruiting but we don't want to do it that way but uh we if we had to go to any military action tomorrow it would be very difficult very very difficult it would take a long time and I don't think that our forces would necessarily be feared. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is a scary thought because people keep talking about the economy and how that attracts people into the military. That was not my experience from my own son, as well as his friends and the people that I met at the bases whenever I would go there. I mean, uh, it wasn't really the, at least my experience, the ones I talked to, I didn't get the feeling that they went in there because they couldn't find a job or because they they uh, had nothing to do. I mean, I think there was a sense of patriotism that they were fighting for their country and for their way of life and that kind of thing. That's the sense I got. And so I don't know. I think you can pay people a lot of money, but if they're not patriotic, who's going to risk their life for their country for just money? I, I don't see that, Bill. Well, I don't see it either. Uh, we are a country right now in very bad shape. Uh, you know, I thought that the late 70s were bad, and they were bad. And fortunately, we had a Reagan to save us. I don't see anyone who, in the near future, maybe after the election, if a Republican is elected, uh, we'd have a good situation. But the Republican Party is very badly split. I, I don't think there's any guarantee a Republican will be elected next year. And the nation is, is failing in many, many areas. It's failing in national defense. It's failing in education. Uh, it's failing in national unity. Um, I think our economy is starting to slip. Uh, inflation is killing people. Uh, I go to the, the supermarkets and, and check prices just as part of my you know, journalistic job. Every time you go, the prices are higher. It just goes up and up and up and up. I don't know if it's justified, but I can imagine a family of four with maybe one child of college age. I don't know how they're going to pay for the basic living standards. Right. No, I know. It's absolutely horrific. Uh, gasoline is going up. Uh, our gasoline yes, right now is 359, Bill. I know it's probably more in New York, but uh, 359, we've gone from 289 to 359. Mm in a relatively short time. I mean, maybe yes. a, a couple of months. Well, that is a big jump. That is a big jump. Oh, when you go from 289 yes. to 359, multiply that by 10 gallons or 15 gallons. 15 that's gallons, a lot more sure. money that you're putting out, Bill. That's absolutely correct. I paid 409 a few nights ago at a mobile station. Uh, 409 is a lot of money for a gallon of gas. 
and you're absolutely correct. Uh, if I if I am down to zero in my gas tank, I have a 16 gallon tank. I'm paying a dollar more. That's 16 dollars each time I, I fill up more than I was paying not very long ago. So and that and then when you add to it the increase in food food prices, I mean people are talking about food today as something almost precious. Uh, when you can get the food you want. In our supermarkets here, we see empty shelves where they cannot get the merchandise, and then the merchandise is then sold at higher prices than it was the week before. So, and, and also, another thing to look at is the store closings that are going on around the country, throwing people out of work uh, and uh, not providing services. We have a very big, big Bath & Beyond store uh, about three miles from where I live, and it's closing. It's a big store, a lot of people employed, uh, and and you see that in other store chains around the country. Yes. Now it's just uh, things just seem out of control, and it it gets worse, I guess, when you consider that the that the president of the United States, the one person we all look forward or look to for direction, uh, well, just look at his performance in Ireland this last week. I think that oh. tells you. All you need to know. Bill, as always, thank you so much for your time and thank you for your thoughts and ideas. They're always uh, absolutely wonderful. And that just gives us another excuse to get together next week, Bill. We will get together. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. Well, thank you so much. It's always a great honor to have you on, on the podcast. Uh, Bill Cat, the editor of Urgent uh, Journey to the Agenda. There's the, the article that Bill posted uh, a day or so, I, I think it was, uh, about Cornell University, I would definitely suggest that you check it out. I, I thought it was one of the best ones that uh, he's done when he, when he talks about freedom of speech and colleges, uh, something that I know a lot of you are very concerned about. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>